Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today our topic is frothy market or beginning of a golden age. This segment is brought to you by Arbor Crowd, crowdfunding for the professionals. Visit arborcrowd.com. Well, my guests are Tim Bodker and Byron Carlock, and they're with uh, they're with PwC, and we're talking about we, we you guys just did a recent report on kind of what's happening in commercial mm -hmm. real estate and some of the mergers and acquisitions and what you expect moving forward. And and I think our audience or seems like everyone is concerned about retail mm -hmm. moving forward. So what do you guys see from the the Tax Act and and the Jobs Act, Tax Reform and Jobs Act? How might that impact retail moving forward? Sure. So I think w the first point to make about retail is that the markets generally put retail all together in one in one group, and, and it's really um, a much more diverse group of or, or sector that, that needs to be paid attention to. So I think that's the first point. I think the second point to make is that retail is is a sector that's being heavily focused on by the activist investor uh, community, and that's driving uh, what we were a little bit talking about earlier around companies, retailers looking very closely at how they're uh, leveraging their real estate portfolio. So we think uh, the activist investor community is going to drive transaction activity as it relates to retail uh, related businesses. That's the second point. The third point I'd mention is um, there's a general shift uh, in uh, how real estate is being, is being used uh, around kind of a, a move from a place where you buy things to where you go uh, for an experience. And so a lot of the uh, retail centers that are there in place today, shopping centers, strip centers, et cetera, are being repurposed to um, create more of an experience for, for, for their tenants. And so we're seeing a lot of uh, folks um, retenanting space, uh, reconfiguring space, redeveloping space in order to fit and are alternative those, purposes. And are those places going to see more consumers? How's consumer confidence? Uh, and uh, that you see out there. Well, you know, 70% yeah. of our economy is driven by consumer expectations and confidence, right? Yeah. And so if, um, if, if you've got some employers and the numbers grow every day that are moving up minimum wage and improving the quality of life of their employees, mm -hmm. generally a big piece of that ends up back in the economy sure. through retail activity. And aren't most employees going to have a little bit uh, more take-home pay here any day? Supposedly going to be felt in February. I think that's the expectation. That's right. Yeah. So what's that do for retail? I mean, if investors are bullish on commercial real estate in general, mm -hmm. then um, should we be bullish on retail moving forward? I mean. I think Americans have proven if you give them money, they'll spend it. Yeah. <laughs> right? At least my wife does. That yeah. <laughs> the, the, the concept being contemplated has to be relevant to people's needs. And I think what we're seeing right now is a sorting out, to Tim's point, of those retailers that offer relevance, either it's convenience, a great website, easy e-commerce, or a great visit to their store mm -hmm. sure. that leaves you with a uh, satisfied experience, if you will, having visited. You need a reason to go visit in a way that you um, it justifies your time to stop in and be a guest in that retail bricks and mortar place. Ninety-two percent of sales are still done in bricks and mortar locations. That's right. Yeah. Well, how do you think all this impacts retail uh, occupancy 
and performance moving forward and investment and cap rates? Well, there's, I think to, to the point we mentioned a little bit earlier, there's certainly going to be those um, segments of the retail sector that do very well, yeah. right, and, and, and have favorable cap rates. And then there's going to be some uh, that are going to need to be repurposed. So uh, our, in our Emerging Trends in Real Estate report, one of the things we mentioned is just how over-retailed the U.S. is relative to certain yeah, other places around the world, 24. So, yeah. so, so I think when you look at that, um, there's going to be some parts of retail that are going to be repurposed into something else over a longer period of time. Right. Big redevelopment opportunities. You see already developers taking uh, chances on taking B and C malls and turning them into other uses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sam Zell in a speech last year, I heard him say retail um, is not um, overdeveloped, it's under-demolished. Yeah. We've, we've failed to redevelop it into appropriate uses as it's become irrelevant. And we have to we have to be vigilant about making sure it's relevant. Yeah, well, one of the notes in your report here says that consumer spending is really outpacing wage growth. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for the economy and for, for retail? Well, it's a risk, yeah. right? It, it's it's certainly it's certainly a risk to, to to the economy that 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 trend is present. But I but I think so long as em employment you know stays where it's going to be, to the point Byron mentioned earlier about the favorable impact. Uh, to folks take home pay as a result of the, the tax act, um, then we should, we should be, I think our view is we we'll should see, you know, we, we should be okay as it relates to consumer spending and confidence. So let's talk about the impact of, of rising rates. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think, first of all, for the Fed's plans moving forward? Do you think we're going to have continued uh, interest rate increases in 2018? We will see, I think the view is we will see future rate increases, um, primarily because um, when you look at the indications of inflation in the market, they're going to need to uh, to watch that. Having said all that, um, I think what the Fed has shown is that they're being very thoughtful and careful about how quickly and, and how much they, 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 they move rates. Yeah. Um, so um, it's good. We may see increases, but they're not going to be significant would be would be i think how we would look I think at small it. and steady is exactly. what we're expecting yeah. and if small and steady so let's let's put that uh into scope here so are we thinking maybe uh, a quarter basis uh, 25 basis points each time they meet are we thinking maybe in a year uh that we have a percentage point higher rate uh, 100 basis points i think that's a reasonable <laughs> expectation i Agreed. think okay. i think you hear more and more people talk about stepped 25s and mm -hmm. maybe there are four of those and so what might that do to cap rates, especially while we're talking about retail, if retail is kind of in a, in a flux and a, in a, change, mm -hmm. uh, in a changing uh, scope here, what does that do to cap rates for retail properties? It could cause upward pressure on, on, on cap rates, j just generally speaking. But the thing that I think we also need to keep in mind is there's a tremendous amount of capital that's out there. In, in our report, one of the things we, we, we cite is the amount mm -hmm. of dry powder that's out there being $249 billion. Um, so that sort of capital on the sideline coupled with the demand for, for real estate, given that even though rates are going to move higher, they're still low on a relative basis. And so there's just a significant demand for, for real estate. In say. asset allocation theory, right now real estate is a golden allocation recipient. <laughs> yeah. And so you see real estate and alternatives along with private equity getting a larger piece of the allocation wheel from individuals pension funds, institutions, sovereign wealth funds, and then the rising 
uh, wealth of emerging markets. So we've, had, we've seen a tremendous amount of capital find an interest in real estate without, able, without being able to invest it to Tim's dry powder point of view. Yeah. Yeah, so in your report you said that uh, private equity, 263 funds in 2017 raised $109 billion. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's just one example. So uh, you think there is plenty of dry powder and that's going to maybe keep cap rates in retail properties from rising that much, a lot of buyer demand? Because capital will, will I think, keep the cap rates low, actually. Yeah. And, then, and then you're expecting some NOI growth in, in retail and other properties? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned, Michael, just on um, the, the dry powder mm -hmm. point, one of the things we, we need to do is, is segment that between equity-based uh, investors and, and those who are focused on debt. So, for example, yeah. of the <clears throat> private equity funds raised last year, about 28% of those funds were, were funds focused on uh, commercial debt. debt yeah. uh, and in the public markets, we had nine, nine IPOs. Five of those were commercial mortgage REITs. So there's been a significant um, segment of the of the industry that's been focused on that primarily because of really I would say kind of three things. One, just where we are in the cycle. Some people just feel more comfortable being in a lender position as opposed to, to the being equity. the equity. Mm -hmm. um, two is there is still some impacts of, of, of regulation uh, out there insofar as um, on the vocal rule and some of the holding yeah. down, yeah. Hold, hold down. and yeah. then the final thing is just uh, what I would say is that some people think in a rising rate environment, it's it's good to be uh, an in investor wealth. in debt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly we feel safer in the first first position. Yeah, uh, and uh, if things go bad, maybe uh, maybe you you turn out okay, right? That's right. Any other uh, final thoughts in this segment for retail uh, moving forward? Well, the balance of um, power between retail and industrial cannot be That's minimized. Right. There's mm -hmm. there's a real linkage. Yeah. And so we, we're seeing e-commerce grow 25% a year. Uh, and so that's clearly an important growth trajectory to watch, but that's happening. That's, that's some people say warehouses are the next retail <laughs> because that's where a lot of the activity is. Yeah. As, as we watch traditional bricks and mortar go through its evolution to relevance. Mm -hmm. No, I think you're. That's absolutely right. And what impact does <clears throat> does e-commerce changing it changes in logistics, supply chain, etc. On how retailers organize their uh, their their physical and online presence. So, um, for example, uh, one of the things we we haven't touched on is just the the growing influence of of showrooming as as like an example. Mm -hmm. So how do how do all these things you know how do retailers balance their strategy between an online presence and a physical presence is certainly something to watch. Yeah, it's certainly big today. Well, yeah. um, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, I want to talk to you about multifamily and housing because there's some changes in the, in the tax laws and Jobs Act that uh, could impact residential and multifamily has really been on a roll. What should we expect moving forward? Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you a commercial real estate broker? Check out Apto, the leading web-based CRE software for managing contacts, properties, listings, and deals. Act on the information in your CRM to strengthen your relationships and grow your business. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. With ArborCrowd, you get to invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, 
make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit ArborCrowd.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Are you a real estate agent? Hi, this is Michael Bull. Would you like consistent high income? Would you like to be the top producer in your office? Would you like to be known as the go-to broker in your market? Well, I have something for you. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Apto, a commercial real estate leading web-based software for commercial real estate brokers. Check out apto.com. Today, our title of our show is Frothy Market or Beginning of a Golden age. I think everyone is asking questions today. What is tax reform doing to commercial real estate? What are rising interest rates doing to commercial real estate? A lot of changes going on. Also, we've been in this cycle, this great cycle for a long time. People are concerned there. What should we expect moving forward? Well, please welcome my guest, Tim Bodner. He's U.S. real estate deals leader with PwC and Byron Carlock, U.S. real estate practice leader with PwC. Gentlemen, thanks for being here in Studio One. Thanks, thanks Michael. Michael. Well, first of all, let me start with the tax reform. Uh, and Jobs Act, like jobs part of it, is generally, is that good for commercial real estate? <laughs> Our view is that it is it is good for for commercial real estate. And there's really probably three or four areas of of the of the of the act that really impact real estate. One is the interest deductibility, and the and the favorability that provides to real estate through their exemption from it. Uh, the second is around carried interest, uh, and and the favorable uh, aspects of being able to kind of uh, still get the favorable tax advantage, but over a longer period of time from from one year to three years. Uh, today, there's also uh, the maintenance of the of the 1031 1031 exchange. So we can still still do that. And of course, uh, the overall reduction in the rate from 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 where it was before to 21 percent is obviously very good for for our for our sector. Sure, I mean, I, and I think um, some of the activities in the industry were stalled while people were waiting to see what was going to happen. Yeah, and now I think we're seeing the benefits of the realization that tax reform ended up being pretty good for our industry. Yeah. And some of the pinup transactions are now beginning to come back into the pipeline. Activities looking good for 2018, despite the fact that interest rates are beginning to rise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good point. You know, that's we see that in a, at our shop here. It seems like in December and January, people are more excited, whether it was to buy or sell or just mm -hmm. transact and uh, lease space and, mm -hmm. and expand. So let's talk about office market first, if, if you will, because you know, it seems like if the it's called Jobs Act, right? So yeah. if we if we have more jobs because companies have more money to invest, we have the repatriation. Mm. Are we going to get some more money coming back in the U.S.? Is that going to create jobs? What do you think the Jobs Act does for the office sector? Our view, I think, is you have to look at it um, industry by industry. So so clearly, in certain sectors, technology, as as an example, you've certainly seen. 
some of the, the, the large technology firms bringing money back, reinvesting in developing new corporate headquarters, hiring more people, uh, paying their employees larger bonuses and so on and so forth. You also have other tech businesses that are looking at opening new offices and new, and new markets. So certainly like at the technology industry as an example, uh, is certainly gonna use the, the capital that they get from tax relief to reinvest in their business. I think when you look at it across other sectors, re retail as an example, it's a little bit of a kind of, um, if the, it, it depends, right? To see kind of what impact other trends, technology as an example, have on their businesses to see ultimately what happens yeah, and from I'm tax get, reform. And why don't we get more of your comments and thoughts on future of retail. And before we go there too, let's talk a little bit more about office. So what do you expect for GDP and just the economy and just the office growth overall? Do you see any any trends in the office use that, that we should think Yeah, the, about? Bi the biggest trend is the movement toward relevance. I think if you realize that 80% of our office stock was built in the 80s or before, and we've underinvested in CapEx through these last probably 20 years, mm -hmm. there's a lot of work to be done on the existing office stock as a, as a uh, redevelopment opportunity as we respond to the changing demands that Tim was just talking about with tech companies and other users trying to use their office space to do two things. Not only run their business, mm -hmm. but to be um, an ambiance that's appropriate for uh, executing their business, attracting talent and retaining talent. Yeah. So you're seeing a big shift in the way office space gets used. We've seen this movement toward open space, take out the mahogany, take out the old classic artwork, replace it with white walls and contemporary art and open spaces and workbenches, and take down the private offices. Mm -hmm. I think what we're seeing now is some of the private offices need to stay. Mm -hmm. You know, the Gen Z, the entrance into the workforce today are saying, if you're going to make me come into the office, I want a place that's quiet enough for me to work and concentrate or else I'm going to work at home. Right. Right. Because you've given people that opportunity yeah. if they want it, right? right. right. So the whole, the whole schematic of how people use office space is changing. Yeah, and one of the changes in the Tax Act, right, where, where if you invest in CapEx and say you're renovating an office building, you can write that off in the first year and not have to spread it out over 15 years or something? Correct. You can, yeah. So that might be a stimulus. I, I know I got a call from an office investor that on a building I showed him that needs some work, and all of a sudden now he's very interested again. I'm like, hey, maybe you, that, that is a stimulus. Mm -hmm. So what do you expect for the office market moving forward from investors, cap rates, uh, from that side of the investment side? Well, the supply-demand dynamics yeah. are actually pretty attractive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, and the discipline in our development um, community is still pretty tight. It's hard, it's, it's, you may find the equity, but it's not real easy to get a construction loan for new development today. So the supply-demand dynamics are going to uh, dictate how we manage the growth in demand, mm -hmm. even though renewal activity seems to often result in reduced space being taken down, mm -hmm. there is there still appears to be positive demand for space. I think the other thing you're you're seeing, Michael, is um, the impact of certain of the emerging um, technology businesses that are are redefining how office space is is used in the relationship with the traditional landlords, um, how they kind of are going into adjacent businesses as a way of maximizing their space. So if you take kind of a traditional landlord who's typically just had one-way you know, one relationship with their tenants, they're, they're kind of getting a little bit more innovative around how they um, 
navigate through the, the impact of, of technology and the alternative businesses on, on thus, this space. Thus the birth of the shared space office. Absolutely, yeah. 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 What about the tax law changes and a company's decision to lease versus purchase? Are there some changes there that might, uh, we might want to think about? We are certainly seeing across sectors and industry uh, companies looking very hard at uh, whether they want to own real estate in, in, in the long term. And a lot of that is when you look at where the market is today, pricing is very favorable. Uh, and if you think about some of the, the threats that, that we've been talking about on, on those sectors, what are sources of capital that they can draw upon to reinvest back in the core business? And so certainly, we are seeing a lot of companies across sectors spending a lot of time giving very careful thought to that, and that is fundamentally a lease versus own decision in the, in, in the long run. And partially driven by the leasing project, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. You might explain what the leasing project is. Yeah, so so the, the, they changed the accounting rules, the accounting standard setters changed the accounting rules around the lease accounting standard. Uh, it becomes effective for public companies on January 1 of 2019 for private companies around uh, effective January 1 of 2020. And effectively what it does simplistically without getting into the technical nuances, it requires lessees um, for leases longer than one year to bring all those leases on balance sheet. On balance, and yeah. so uh, the impact that has on, on leverage considerations, uh, debt agreements and compensation arrangements, systems, technology, all sorts of uh, impacts is something that people are spending a lot of time also giving careful thought and to. And you think about that, I mean, it brings real estate out of a footnote up to, really up to the boardroom. Right. For say, what we, we lease all this real estate, we own some of this real estate, what do we do with it? Mm -hmm. And how is it relevant to our operations and how does, how does our footprint need to change going forward? So you're seeing everything from corporate real estate looking at redeveloping what they have, selling off some of what they have, reducing some of what they lease in one area and maybe expanding their footprint in others. I had a client recently come and say, can you help us shrink our footprint in the Western world and use our savings to grow our footprint in the emerging markets? Those kind of discussions really bring real estate front and center to the boardroom. Yeah, yeah, they sure do. And there's a lot of concern about retail moving forward. There's been a lot of changes there. And when you look at some of the changes that we're having in the, even in the tax reform and Jobs Act. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get you guys' opinion on how that's going to impact retail investment and retailers moving forward. We'll take a short break. Stay with us. I am Michael Bull and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit RealCrowd.com. Choose between Core, Core Plus, Value Add, or Opportunistic. Visit RealCrowd.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Buildout, the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. 
promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by GetValuate.com, online investment analysis. Check it out. Well, today, our topic is frothy market or beginning of a golden age. My guests are Tim Bodner and Byron Carlock with uh, PwC. And, and gentlemen, multifamily has really been on a ride. Mm-hmm. And, and I hear different things from different people about the tax reform and the changes there and its impact on housing and residential and its mm-hmm. impact on multifamily. Mm-hmm. Seems like nothing's gonna slow down multifamily at this point, but but you know, you do have what a reduced um, tax deduction yeah. on, on on your interest. You have a limit there. What is it? A seven fifty. Seven fifty from a million. Yeah. Right, and then you have a, a, a redu- reduced on your property taxes up to a certain level. Ten thousand. Yeah. So is, is that going to impact uh, the residential home market? Well, we think when you look at housing overall, that that's a sector that that capital is is very very focused on. And I think when you look at it from private equity investors to uh, high net worth investors to sovereign investors, it's certainly a sector that people are still focused on because, Michael, of some of the things you just mentioned around the impact of the Tax Act on that sector from a demand point of view. Uh, But it's also you just have an incredible demographic trend behind housing where people today want to generally live in urban urban centers. They want to be more mobile. They want to be able to move around. They don't want to be constrained by having uh, capital or their life locked up in in owning a home, and so they want to be able uh, to move more freely around. So I think when you look at those factors, it's still uh, a, a sector to watch. Right? We're underhoused. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, 29 million millennials still live at home. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, right now it looks like yeah. cumulatively we're probably seven million units nationally underdeveloped. Right. And so a multi multifamily rental still appears to be very attractive financially if your mortgage interest. If, if a city uh, city dwelling capture mortgage interest deductibility at $750,000, that has an effect in the most expensive cities. That's right. Right. But then in the in the most expensive tax states, the limitation on state and local tax deductibility also has an impact no question. And, and takes you over to rental housing as, as desirable. So I think we're going to see this balance out, but we're at a nadir in home ownership in the country right now. Uh, and, you know, frankly, Boomer wealth was largely created by home equity uh, if they didn't you know, take it all out pre-recession, right? right. And so th- there is value to tell a young person that it's worth owning a home, but to your mobility point, if they want their career to be across multiple cities, yeah. buying and selling a home is a drag on that mobility, right? No question. Yeah. No question. Yeah, well, so generally speaking then, you think the Tax Act was not great for residential housing? It's, it's kind of wait and see, right? But I mean, yeah. the other thing we haven't really talked about yet is, and it's still an open question, is how do all the state and local governments respond to this? So Byron mentioned some of the high-tech jurisdictions. It's still a little bit of a wait and see 
for what they do because obviously if you're in a high if you're running a, a governor of a of a, a high cost city um, you're going to need to do something to try to keep people where they are right so I think it's a little bit wait a wait and see well but similarly if you're yeah. a if you're a um, Gen X or aging millennial and you have married and have started having children that exodus out to the suburbs is your housing choice to get education and affordable space. Right. So um, I think there will I, everything runs in cycles. I think we're at a low cycle for mm. home ownership is popular right now, but I think that will change. So if you're invested in multifamily and you look at just this tax act alone, you're smiling then, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more people it's are good for the multifamily landlords. Yeah. And, and and the emerging sectors like single family and and the, and the public markets of rentals and, of single, single family rentals, rentals yeah family rentals yes and what we are starting to also see is um, the equity side of the story is very well played out but what we're starting to also see is we talked a little bit earlier about commercial uh, mortgage rates looking to access the public markets now we're actually starting to see residential uh, REITs starting to try to think about exiting the public. And when you look at their investment theses and their strategies, they're not focused on large loans in a lot of cases. Many of the times they're focused on small, uh, small mom and pop uh, lenders to, or, or um, uh, acquirers of r r rental properties on a mom and pop basis. So mm -hmm. I think there's a big trend there as well to, to, to watch very carefully because they've been doing very well as well and there's a lot of momentum behind them. What about infrastructure? How's that big? Going? <laughs> big? I mean, you know, the infrastructure discussions continue to get delayed in Washington, but once they become legislative realities, that's a big boost to the economy. Mm -hmm. If you think about the impact of big infrastructure spends on our cities through history, those have been game changers. Mm -hmm. And when you think about a bill that's being talked about at a trillion and a half, mm -hmm. that's a big number, especially when you marry it with uh, private investment alongside the public commitment. And so out of that will come denser neighborhoods, better transit, mm -hmm. transit-oriented neighborhoods mm -hmm. with access to rapid transit, better airports, roads, bridges, parks. Um, Sounds like a lot of jobs, too. I think it's, that's, I, that's, that's the golden era mm -hmm. idea of this discussion, mm -hmm. that that much infrastructure spending, changing our cities, employing people to build it, Meanwhile, our economy is going through this transformation into greater levels of technology, blockchain, artificial intelligence. If we are smart about making sure we are developing a mobile, skilled workforce on one end of the spectrum that is redeployed as we go through this transformation, mm -hmm. and we make sure we've got enough skilled workers in the construction trades to build all this infrastructure, yeah. We and, could, we and we could, don't. We we don't. <laughs> Where it's talents, talents, yeah. difficult right now. Yeah. And so, but that is the argument for this could be an elongated recovery of golden age for the industry. And let's go there because that's the name of our show, right? Mm -hmm. Frothy market or beginning of a golden age. So, backtrack uh, a year ago. Uh, you probably had some idea of what you thought the the length of this cycle would be. So now, fast forward to today. Did you add? years, months, what did you add to this cycle estimate? Well, I, I think the, the exact duration of how much longer it goes is, 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 is gonna, we'll see what happens. But when you look at it today, you still have uh, solid fundamentals. Uh, you have leverage that's been 
kept at manageable levels for from where we were. Yeah. Uh, you have a favorable interest rate environment. You have a tremendous amount of capital. Uh, you have strong or semi-strong economic growth. Mm -hmm. um, you have a regulatory environment, to Byron's point, around infrastructure spend that's a tailwind they really haven't felt yet. So if all that kind of stays the same, then we think we're going to, we'll, we'll continue to see what we're seeing today and even it accelerate a bit further. There's plenty that could go wrong, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> you on. know, I mean, we, we could think about exogenous Don't. factors that could destroy this, but if you think about coming out of this recession and only growing 1.6% a year, mm -hmm. and we've extended the cycle and it's still not, it's still not overheated from a growth of inventory perspective, we're, this next downturn is not going to be real estate's fault. Right. 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 And so the, the demand and the supply and demand characteristics are pretty favorable no for a continued recovery as long as there's not an exogenous factor that cuts it off. What about GDP? You mentioned 1.6, but we've had some 3% growth. Mm -hmm. What do you expect for 18? Well, I mean, it, you know, We'll see, right? But mm -hmm. I think when you when you look at it, people are talking about four to four to five percent growth, mainly as a result of uh, the impact of of the tax act. Everything we've been talking about. Everything we've been talking about. Yeah, infrastructure, more, more consumer spending. That's right. More jobs. So four to five seems awfully high coming yeah. off of one point six. But yeah. you know, even if it's two and a half to three and a half, that's better than one point six. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. That is so. In real estate, then we should all be doing the Snoopy dance, I guess. All right. I mean, this tax act has really been wonderful for for our industry. Well, I think what it should be. It's not yet. Really. <laughs> it's not proven yet. One of the things that we've seen in uh, the real estate sector do is be very thoughtful about how they've come out of the last mm -hmm. the la last downturn. That gets into some of the things we've been talking about: leverage, supply, etc. Right, and how they're allocating capital. So I think we, we still need to maintain that, that sense of, of caution, um, primarily because of some of what Byron just mentioned, that there are things on a higher horizon unrelated to real estate that could, could have a substantive impact on, on us. And so I think operating cautiously but realizing that we're in a good place is, is, a, is a good way to proceed. Okay. Feels like a rising tide. Mm -hmm. There's still an underbelly of work to do on affordable housing, moderate housing, age age related age restricted housing for the aging baby boomers there's a lot to do yet as we ride this you know curve up i think we're also as an industry working to solve some of the underlying problems uh, that that need to be addressed as well okay and a final thought for our audience based on our real estate audience and the and the tax reform act should they think about moving forward how they're holding properties what entities, uh, what, should what should they think about moving forward? So one, one of the things to, be, uh, to bring up on tax reform is there is still a, 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 a number of questions that are still open. And there's a lot of interpretation and additional guidance that needs to come from Treasury and other, other folks around how to interpret what's, what's in the law. So um, certainly you should look at things around how you're holding your real estate today. Is there, are there restructuring opportunities? Um, there's certainly um, a consideration around where do you want to hold your real estate, where do you want to own it, where do you want your headquarters. So there's a lot of time to be planning, modeling, thinking about what the impacts of different alternatives would be, and then staying very, very close to the guidance that's coming out from, from Washington around how to interpret this, because it's still very much, there are still a number of open questions. Yeah, and I guess just planning your CapEx alone at this point is something to, to look at the tax implications. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
final thought for the audience? I think as we started, real estate got treated fairly in the tax reform. Uh, I think we're going to watch uh, what looks to be a good year. Plenty of capital for the industry. Cap rates still good for sellers. Little may feel a little expensive for buyers, but debt's still relatively cheap. Mm -hmm. And so, and there's plenty of capital to do transactions at a time when the industry is remaking itself. And I think the watchword I'll say again is relevance. Making sure that your property is relevant to its users, and then you'll be fine. All right. Well said, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I'm going to do the Snoopy dance all week. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for joining us out there. However you're watching the show on YouTube, iTunes, show website, or I think we're on 14 different podcast sites. Thanks for being with us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Arbor Crowd, invest alongside real estate experts, Get Valuate, online investment analysis, Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals, by Apto, brokerage software to manage your contacts, properties, listings, and deals, commercialagentsuccess.com, better serve clients, earn more commissions, build out, marketing for your brokerage. For more information on these great companies, visit CREshow.com. And you're invited to subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes and connect with us on your favorite social media.